Thanks for tuning in to Best Show Ever, a podcast presented by The Inglert. In this week's episode, we're talking literature. We'll hear from Rachel Yoder and Kevin Mills of the Tuesday Agency about how authors are adjusting to the pandemic. We'll also hear about Kevin's Best Show Ever. For our featured work segment, Skylar Barnes will be reading an original poem for your listening pleasure. But first, here's a word from our sponsors. For your investment and financial planning needs, Ross and Ryland DeLavoy of MidAmerica Securities Management are here to help. You can find Ross and Ryland at the Chauncey Building in downtown Iowa City. They can also be found online at midamericasecurities.com or by calling 319-337-9842 for more information. Securities and advisory services offered through Nations Financial Group, member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Hello, my name is Ellie, and I'm going to be making the case for attending virtual readings. It's the quarantine era, and you just flew through a positively stunning new book by an up-and-coming author, and you're fiending to know the inspiration behind the story. Or... Maybe a friend who's given you lackluster recommendations in the past is pressuring you to try out a new work, and you need a preview of what to expect before you give them your trust again. Or maybe you're a student who misses doing homework at Prairie Lights and hearing the prose being read in the adjacent room and feeling like a true bona fide hipster. Well, I have just the thing for you. In-person readings are out. Temporarily. And virtual readings are the new hot trend. All of the nuisances that prevented you from attending or enjoying readings in the past, gone. Don't like crowds? Now you're sprawled out on the couch, party of one. Too shy for Q&A? Just type your question in the Zoom chat. Use a fake name for all I care. Have a hard time hearing the author as they read? Slap those headphones on and crank that volume to 11, baby. Can't find a ride into the city? Forget about it. Can't find a babysitter. Forget about it. Live in a different country. Forget about it. Too lazy to put pants on? Forget about it. Do you work evenings or weekends? Boom. Now the event is in your office. Throw it on. We won't tell your boss. Plus, with virtual readings, you can see how the author is truly living. Do they rock a minimalist Brooklyn flat? A Thoreau-like cabin? Are there trash bins filled with crumpled up pieces of paper in the corner? More than anything, seize the opportunity to engage with writers and independent bookstores who are at a great emotional and financial loss as lectures and readings are being canceled. For most authors, a book tour or a reading is a culmination of several years' work, a proverbial crossing of the finish line. For bookstores, readings are a rallying point for cultivating community and spotlighting new works. For bookstores, readings are a rallying point for cultivating community and spotlighting new works. We may not be able to celebrate literature in a room together, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't celebrate from afar. Are you convinced? If so, head over to prairielights.com live. They've got a handful of virtual readings lined up, including one tonight, July 31st, featuring authors Saeed Jones and Hanif Abdurraqib. And on Saturday, August 1st, which is the Iowa City Soul Fest Virtual Authors Panel, featuring the Englert's very own Andre Perry. And scene. 
All right, so I'm here with Rachel Yoder, uh, who is a writer and arts worker here in Iowa City. Uh, she's a senior agent at the Tuesday Agency. She's on the board for the Iowa City's UNESCO City of Literature. And for the past two years, she's been the literary programming director for Mission Creek Festival. So Rachel, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Uh, so first off, I want to say congratulations on finishing your first novel. Uh, can you give us a little synopsis of what we can expect in the book? Sure, I'd love to. So it's been kind of a wild ride this year. I um, sold my novel right as all of society was shutting down. Um, <laughs> so that was an interesting process. Um, it's a it's called Night Bitch, one word. And um, it's kind of in the surreal mode. It's about a stay-at-home mom who is also an artist and has, you know, a lot of aspirations um, in her arts career. She's uh, becomes inadvertently sort of a stay-at-home mom, nothing she ever expected. And um, as she's kind of dealing with this new phase of her life becomes very worried that she may be turning into a dog. Um, mm. And things just keep going from there. Mm. So that's what um, I've been editing and fine tuning um, this year. That's been the big project. And I just sent in my knock on wood last round of edits um, a few weeks ago. So now I'm freed up to work on some other stuff, which has been fun too. Oh yeah. What, what new stuff have you been working on? Well, um, you know, last August I took a trip with my dad to, um, Pennsylvania Dutch Amish country in Pennsylvania. My dad grew up Amish. I was raised Mennonite on a commune and have always been trying to figure out a way to like write about being Mennonite. And mm. I've pretty much failed my entire life. But I happened upon this new topic, which is Pennsylvania Dutch folk medicine. Um, it's kind of like, you know, when you think of like pagan rituals and, Ooh. you know, putting an egg in the hot coals and then taking it out and passing it through a loop of string, stuff like that. Sure. So the Pennsylvania Dutch have this tradition of folk medicine which I call like Amish witches, which is not really accurate, but that sort of accurate. Cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and I found this really cool. What first got me interested in the in the topic was this book I found called The Long Lost Friend. And it's from like the 19th century. Um, it has like spells and invocations and chants, like crazy stuff in it, which I, of course, loved. Um no one still uses that book today, but that's what first got me interested in it. Mm. Wound up finding um, finding some people who are still practicing. It's called powwow now, which is, you know, not a great word, but is the word that, that they have co-opted from um, Native American culture. Okay, yeah. um, anyway, so I went on this road trip with my dad, who was 80. He was like a former Amishman. I was 40, kind of having a midlife crisis. I was like, how's about we go find some Amish witches mm. in Eastern PA? And he's like, okay. So <laughs> <Down. laughs> awesome. he's a pretty cool dad. So we um, went and I had, you know, three different practitioners like 
perform rituals on me. And that that is what I'm trying to put together now. I know it's been a, we're now a year out from that, but um, for some reason, it's just like a really hard piece to write. It's combining reported stuff and personal stuff. And I want to need to get a lot in there. So I've been trying to finish that up. And it's been really interesting to work on that during the pandemic. Mm, yeah. Um, how, how, yeah. How's, how's the pin, pandemic affecting the process? How, I mean, well, um, I do have a six-year-old mm-hmm. and I do have a husband who works out of town every week. So the pandemic is affecting the process in that there usually is no process. Um because I'm just on full-time mom duty. But, you know, as we've kind of gotten deeper, deeper into it, um, you know, we, we do have a babysitter who, who we think is safe and who's being safe. And so I, I find a few hours um, here and there to kind of, to work on it. And it's, you know, when that babysitter is here, man, do I focus. Mm-hmm. It's been pretty amazing to be like, I have three hours I need to go, go and do as much as possible. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get it done. So yeah, you know, fits and starts, just trying to trying to fit it in where I can, as I'm sure so many people are doing these days. Yeah. Well, speaking of the process, um, I'm curious about, so you're the founding editor of Draft, a journal of process, which is a literary journal that features the side-by-side of a a first draft and a final draft uh, of stories, essays, and poems. And then you also will interview the authors or the interview the authors about uh, the creative process. Are there some takeaways you've had from your many years of working on this journal? Are there motifs, if you will? (laughs) Any patterns? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the one big takeaway is that, no creative process uh, looks the same from author to author or even from piece to piece, Mm -hmm. right? So from story to story or poem to poem. Um, It's really fascinating just, you know, how everything, you kind of have to, you have to be there at your desk sitting down every day to, to, um, to catch it when it comes, you know, like Mm -hmm. you never quite know how things are going to arrive. And I I mean, some writers also don't, don't even sit down every day. That's not their process. You know, um, for me writing my novel, I, I didn't really have the luxury of sitting down every day. So I did, you know, spurts of writing. Um, Mm -hmm. and I've never written like that before where I said, okay, I'm going to write a thousand words a day for two weeks. And I got huge chunks of the book done that way. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, that's really been the story of draft and all, all of the folks we've talked with on there is just how unpredictable and how varied the creative process is mm. um, and how it's really idiosyncratic um, depending on the project and the, and the writer. Right. That is interesting. I'm, I, I am interested sort of in when authors are talking about like whenever I think of an author like writing a novel I'm like okay it's they sit at their desk like every day and they sit there and just type for hours but like you said like not everyone has that privilege you know maybe someone's a mom someone also has to work another job to make money like that's not how it always is so that's that's kind of interesting to hear like maybe it, it, it it affects the way your writing turns out depending on whether you're doing it in spurts whether you're doing it 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it absolutely does. Um, and I think, you know, when I had more time, I was really, and, you know, as I should have, like in grad school, when I kind of had boundless time, I was really into experimenting and trying new stuff out and trying stuff out that was kind of weird or um, a little risky or might fail. And now, you know, since my time is so limited, I'm much more focused on specific projects, much more focused, not so much on exploration, but on really um, keeping my eye on the things that interest me most Mm -hmm. and just going there as directly as possible. And for the novel too, I, you know, I kind of was thinking of it in the way um, you think about a screenplay with like plot points and um, on page 50, we're going to hit this point on page, you know, 150, we're going to hit this point and just writing really directly toward those things. And again, I'm sure other people have much, much messier novel processes. And I know if I were writing a different kind of novel, it would have been much messier. Um, But this one was just like, got to get it done. And, you know, I've heard people also talk about how they don't write every day, but they, most of their work gets done at like um, writer's retreats or, you know, fellowships Mm, where they go away for two weeks and they'll get, you know, write 50,000 words or something. Yeah. Um, I think just how busy so many of us are more and more it's becoming like that. Speaking of, of Twitter, not to expose yeah. myself for creeping on your Twitter, but. Oh, please do. <laughs> I did see a tweet where you said you were experimenting with positivity and gratitude. And I want to know where I can sign up for that program. <laughs> I think we could all use a little bit of that. Yeah. What is that? Isn't that like? amazing? How, how are you experimenting? Yeah. Well, you know, I have, as a writer, and maybe not all writers are cynical, um, <laughs> but I, I consider myself a pretty cynical person um, trying to live in like what's real and not sugarcoat anything. But I think that really has like stopped serving me during the pandemic. Um, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm trying to get delusional, but I think if we're talking about like strategies for getting through rough times, mm-hmm. at a certain point, like my cynicism and my negativity really kind of started feeling like a privilege, like... Mm. I am not worried about losing my house. I am not, you know, I don't have any sick family members right now, knock on wood. Mm-hmm. Um, we are financially set. You know, like I don't have a lot. I'm not worried where my next meal is coming from. I, and I, I think if I am thinking about my own mental health and getting through this, positivity and gratitude seem like a much better long-term strategy, right? Like Mm -hmm. if I don't want to be depressed on a daily basis, if I don't, and I think a lot of people like our coping mechanisms have really come. um, We've really had to interrogate them during the pandemic because some of them are really not productive, like negativity, drinking too much, eating too much, not exercising. I mean, right. Like all of these things we kind of fall back on, um, at a certain point, 
you know, they can stop serving us and they can actually be counterproductive. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm here five days of the week often on my own with a six-year-old. I'm trying to, you know, push through new work. I still want to have like a quality of life. And in order to do that, I can't doom scroll on Twitter for two hours. (laughs) I can't incessantly read the news, right? Mm -hmm. I need to come up with some new strategies. And so it's kind of cringy for me to think like I'm embracing positivity and like gratitude, but they're really like survival tactics at this point, you know, like how are we going to get through this healthy? How are we going to, you know, come through, come out on the other side without losing our minds? Um, I, I got to start developing some different muscles in my brain. And so that's where reframing, you know, with the gratitude with like, okay, well, yeah, there's a lot of stuff we've lost in the pandemic, but what do what do I still have? Mm -hmm. Um, And how can I like focus on what I have instead of what I don't have instead of all the losses? And again, like not as a way of deluding myself, but as a way of like, maintaining my mental health. Um, Because that's really like, we need to stay healthy, you know, we need to stay positive and healthy to fight the good fight. I mean, there's like a lot of civil change going on right now, civil unrest, um, societal change. And I want to be able to be a supporter of that too. And so, um, yeah, just, just looking for new ways of being in the world, which maybe it's a gift of the pandemic. That seems way too positive for me to say, but again, just trying it on for size. Right trying to emphasize. Yeah. I've, I've, I've loved one thing that seems to continue circulating, especially uh, amidst the civil unrest is I'm seeing things from like Angela Davis or, uh, you know, other, other authors or women of color, authors or women of color. And it's like radical self care as like a means of revolution, which is like Mm -hmm. such an interesting concept and like, that I, I totally believe in, even though like, I don't always practice it and I don't, don't always help other people practice it, but it's like something I'm trying to like tap into more and learn more about. And I guess practice. Cause it seems like these things like, like reframing and, you know, a lot of it requires practice to. Yeah. And isn't it so funny how like some of the things we've heard over time and time again, only after, you know, being with ourselves for a couple months, do they finally start to click, right? It's almost like we have all this time with ourselves, you know, even if you're with other people, all this time doing the same thing every day. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've really been, I've been enjoying kind of coming to these deeper understandings of these kind of maxims that I've always heard. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and like you said, like radical self-care takes on a new meaning, right? Like set against the backdrop of everything that's been happening this year and this summer. Yeah. Um, you start to understand it on a deeper level. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, I have one final question and it is, where can people access your literary journal draft? Where can people pre-order your book? How can people support you? Oh, I would love to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So Draft is online at draftjournal.com. For most of our issues, we offer both print and ebook versions. We would love for you to order something from us. Um, 
It is my friend Mark and I started it about 10 years ago and it's just a labor of love. We pay for it out of our own pockets and um, it's just something we like to do as a friendship project and also as a art project. So um, if anything looks interesting, give us, give us a jingle, give us an email. (laughs) Um, And then as for my book, I'm not even really sure when it's going to be available for pre-order probably um, early 2021, but you can always check on my website at racheljyoder.com. And I'm on, you know, I'm on the internets. I'm on the Twitter and the Instagram. (laughs) Taking a little break from Facebook. Yeah. But I'll probably be back at some point. Cool. Well, it's been so nice talking to you. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me on. This episode is supported in part by the Marcus Fitzpatrick team of Blank and McCune, the real estate company. Whether you're looking for a buyer for your house or searching for your next perfect home, Rita Marcus and Leslie Fitzpatrick are here to help you move through the process. With over 40 years of combined real estate experience in our wonderful community, this mother-daughter real estate team is here to help, from their family to yours. Visit them online at blankandmccune.com or by calling 319-354-9440. Okay, so I'm here with Kevin Mills, who is the vice president of the Tuesday Agency, where he books speaking gigs for authors around the world. Kevin, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So I want to start sort of a while back a little bit. Um, Before you joined the Tuesday Agency, you were a teacher for six years in Las Vegas. I was. Um, What what was that experience like? What kind of kids were you teaching? Um, what do you miss about it? The kids that I taught were, uh, the, uh, it was, they were at risk youth, uh, mm-hmm. to make a long story short, but that said, kids are kids, no matter what my wife is still teaching and she teaches in Muscatine and, um, she, she faces some of the uh, same dilemmas we did in Las Vegas, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and usually it comes from the administration and the, the, the way the community thinks, uh, things should move forward or not, or et cetera, et cetera. You know, we're, I mean, we're seeing that right now. And so you've, you've lived in Hollywood, Nashville, Chicago, yeah, Las Vegas, and somehow you've come back to Iowa city and you've planted your roots here. What, what makes Iowa city so special for you compared to all these other well um, my i ended up in iowa uh, as a sophomore in high school when my mom remarried um as soon as i graduated from high school um i moved to uh hollywood and because i you know uh this will date me but you know the welcome to the jungle video from guns and roses is what I pictured as somebody making it in Hollywood. So I'm like, well, oh, they did it. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what <laughs> I have to do. It's got to do something like that. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my mom wasn't so proud of this, but I thought it was pretty cool that, you know, my apartment building was right across the street from where Axl Rose bought his drugs, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. Sure. And then I, uh, through a roundabout way, uh, you know, went from Hollywood to Nashville and, uh, just realized that I didn't want to pursue anything in the music business side of things. Mm -hmm. Um, because, uh, 
I, you know, I am an artist. Um, and it feels funny to say that out loud, but I, 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 I am at heart. So, um, I was never really interested in making a career um, as a roadie or a business manager, or even a, a songwriter to, to write jingles for anybody or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so I made my way to the university of Iowa. So I came here and I, they let me in after mm-hmm. I raised my GPA, you know, cause I had a few years farting around in Hollywood and Nashville. Sure. Um, and so, uh, long story short, I gravitated towards Scope and uh, the concert promotion team for the University of Iowa. And that's mm-hmm. where I've met um, some of my best friends on the planet. And one of those uh, is Trinity Ray. He's the president of the Tuesday Agency. We really learned that we could work together on Scope. Trinity and I graduated from University of Iowa at Iowa and went our separate ways. He went to Boston and I went to Chicago and then Las Vegas. And uh, I suppose about three years into my um, tenure teaching, um, Trinity and I would have long phone conversations about where we'd like to end up. And uh, he was he was at a large speakers bureau and uh, had had also had a son. And so he was thinking about what's important to him in life. And so he knew I was disgruntled um, with teaching and uh, he was also at a crossroads. And uh, to make another long story short, <laughs> he's, he started the Tuesday Agency because he was taking a, a sabbatical uh so to speak, he left uh, his other agency. Yeah. And, uh, so we had these, one of the conversations we had was, you know, why wouldn't you, and this is before I was, I was even in the picture in terms of working with him. Um, you know, if you're, if we were going to do something like this, why not go back to Iowa city? I mean, great music venues, uh, mm-hmm. great bookstore, great record store, fantastic mm-hmm. coffee shops. What else do you really need? Mm-hmm. And also a, a fantastic community. That's what brought us here. It's always felt like home with all the shit we love. You know, I mean, for the size of our community, the the number of uh, musical acts that come through here on top of everything else is just staggering. And, and yeah. the uh, um, authors, which mm-hmm. is why the Tuesday Agency set up shop here is because we have access to so many wonderful authors that are also fantastic speakers. And, uh, so just real quick, uh, Trinity called me up like my, what ended up being my last year of teaching and asked if I wanted to join him because, you know, things were taking off with the Tuesday agency here in Iowa city and the rest is history. And so it's been great. I mean, it's been a, challenge now because we produce live events and you know yeah I, I don't know how to tell you it's it's scary um but we're you know trying to adapt and just kind of make it through to the other side of uh whatever this is going to look like you know yeah how have you had to um adjust your work like what what are you doing to i don't know continue helping these authors even when they can't do these lectures and well honestly it's it's 
moving to things like this. It's a, a, we're trying to make a virtual experience the best it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what it boils down to. It, but I mean, we're here to talk about live experiences and live events. There's no substitute yeah. for that, you know? Yep. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, the live thing cannot be the lights, the, the energy bumping into strangers, like every element that makes it like the magic experience it is, you know, it definitely cannot be recreated online, but it is, it is cool to see how people are getting creative. Um, I'm more familiar with the music side of things. I actually was in scope too. shout out. Oh, nice. So is Savannah, who is a producer for this podcast. She was a talent buyer for two years. Oh, nice. That's Um, what I did. Yeah. Um, so when I think of musicians, you know, having their tours canceled, I'm thinking, well, that's all of their income. Like there goes like the majority of, of how they make money. Is that a similar sentiment with, with authors? Like, is that going to be a huge hit when these authors can't do the lectures they had book? Is that going to be a huge hit to them financially? Well, I have to tell you, it's not dissimilar. Um, to the music business. I mean, you have some artists that don't have to tour because they make shitloads from downloads and album sales and t- t- yeah. t-shirt sales, etc. Yeah. But you know, um, unless you're you're selling a blockbuster book, mm-hmm. it's it's not that far off. I think a lot of us keep thinking back to you know, the financial and economic impact mm. that is happening with artists. But I mean, also we have to consider like the emotional impact of like, you know, they don't want to perform on a computer either, like performing or reading in front of people or lecturing and getting questions from people, you know, in person is like what artists do and how they, how they get like their, good juices inside going so yeah that's a whole other element too yeah i can't even imagine i don't know how you're feeling about creativity and how much you're feeling inspired right now but a lot of what yeah what a lot of what i'm doing (laughs) yeah i mean that's the thing like i'm doing a lot of like well i've never learned to play this song it I didn't create the song, but it feels creative. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this is where I think it's what we have to do right now as artists and writers and musicians is like the inspiration. I mean, uh, for me, isn't there. I'm not going to other people's shows, seeing other people's work. I'm not going out with friends, having crazy nights. Like I'm having like the inspiration's not there. I think it's going to come down more to the discipline of sitting down with the guitar and like I read Jeff Tweedy's book. You just saw Wilco. I read his autobiography uh, memoir and he, he mentioned like, yeah, you know, the real artists know that it doesn't always just come. Like you're you're more likely to have a moment if the guitar is in your lap or the pen and the paper are in front of you. Like that's your more. So I think it's going to come down to having more of that discipline of forcing yourself to like sit down and be ready and be open for inspiration to come or to learn something new. And I've heard other musicians say, especially guitar players, like as much as you love it, if it's not like there, you can ignore it real easy. Like, in fact, I have like my guitar is sitting right here. Right and, next to you. Yeah. yeah. And so 
like if I'm answering emails, I can just turn around and put it on. You know what I mean? Anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think it's time for us to talk about the best show ever. Set the scene. What year is it? Where are we? Okay. Okay. Well, I, it's by the way, you know this is like a, an insane question. Oh, we know. So I could probably easily pick twenty five, but I went with uh, Jason Isbell at uh, the Blue Moose, which you oh, know. Wow. Yeah. Was it Smaller. isn't wasn't my my favorite venue, but the best show ever was there. So kudos to them. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was back April twenty. Or no, April 4th of 2014, and it was during a Mission Creek show. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to kind of set it up, uh, I knew of Jason Isbell for quite a while because he was in the drive-by truckers. So I, I knew a bit of, of this backstory, but I never really followed Jason Isbell's uh solo career um Mm -hmm. until this album um southeastern came out which if if you're not familiar with it i highly recommend checking it out in fact i can remember it when i when i put the album on and it was Mm -hmm. just right so that album just stuck with me and so that album was rolled around in my head and I, i i bumped into uh, Matt Steele from Little Village, and I happened to mention the drive-by truckers for some reason. And he was like, oh, hey, you know, Jason Isbell's coming uh, for Mission Creek. You sh- what do you think about interviewing him? I'm like, Ooh. I'm like, sure. You know, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll do it. So I'm like, cool. The, you know, this will be an experience. Um, so I, you know, got a hold of his uh, publicist and et cetera, et cetera. And it looked like it was probably going to happen. So I immersed myself in all of this guy's music. I think it was the last time I really like dug into somebody's whole catalog. Mm. Meanwhile, mm. my colleague Trinity um, was asked by Andre. He asked Trinity to conduct a panel at the Motley Cow. I know where he talked about the artistic process with a writer and a musician. And that musician happened to be, uh, Jason Isbell. And so we both just immersed ourselves in Jason Isbell's music. We're like yelling at each other from across the office, you know, like, oh, that song's horrible. That's not even close to his best work, you know. And then, of course, like before the show was coming and and we knew that he was going to be having this interview. And I, and I and by this time I was getting like, you know, the runaround from his uh, PR folks. I'm like, eh, whatever. And so that fell through. But I had... I had immersed myself in this. So I was helping Trinity with like some of the the questions he might ask. And uh, so the day before the show, Jason flew in um, and uh, did this interview with my friend Trinity and uh, was just a super nice guy. You could tell uh, that Jason was enjoying like just being in Iowa city um and he was just a, a class act like he you know was chatting with everybody that he that he bumped into and then even when he got on stage the next night he was talking about the you know the time he took and to like explore some of the the literary history of iowa city which was cool oh, that's cool yeah. and uh the the energy at the blue moose that night was like you could cut it with a knife it was like everybody 
knew they were onto something good. Um, mm. And uh, Dave Zolo and um, uh, Jason Lewis opened for him. So it was like this event where community was celebrated along with this, you know, up and coming, you know, international songwriter that everybody yeah. knows now. Um, and so of course you didn't, you don't know that at the time that they're going to blow up, but there was definitely this energy. Um, and I'll, and I'll tell you, so from that show, I think I've maybe seen him 10 times after that. Yeah. Once was at the Ryman, which is, if you've never seen a show there, it really is like, it's, it's, inexplicable how magical it is to see a show at the Ryman that that, historic theater. Yeah. That said the show at the blue moose was still better. The the (laughs) The Ryman, the blue moose. Yeah. I I love it. I know it's ridiculous. (laughs) And so, but the energy of that blue moose show is um, just so so incredible. Then one of my all time favorite venues, I, that I've ever been to um, is Red Rocks in Colorado. I know you're going to say Red Rocks. Yeah. Yeah. And we saw Trinity and I saw Jason Isbell there and guess what? It was a good show because he's, I think this was two years ago. He's more of like a polished. Now I've got to play in front of 10,000 people. So I can't mm-hmm. ham it up or, you know, miss that note without, you know, halting the banner, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And so again i just going back to that blue moose show it was like nothing's going to compare to that um so yeah that's it i love that you've gone to see him again other times in bigger venues and with the band being tighter and still it's just not the same as that that blue moose show that's it's more about the energy of the room i think is what we've been hearing over and over again and who you're with and Sounds like you and Trinity did your homework before that Blue Moose show, so that always helps. So that totally makes sense. Um, Kevin, I want to thank you again for joining us today, and good luck with everything. Skylar Barnes is a writer, artist, and student living in Iowa City and working with Fools Magazine, a student-run literary arts and culture publication at the University of Iowa. The featured work this week is her poem, Citrus and Sage. To read more of her work, go to SkylarArdenBarnes.com. Citrus and Sage Last month, I baked my body dry of cold and cough. In the resurrection, my body has forgotten to rise from its suspension. I attributed this to the citrus and sage incense burning on silver leaf near as flat as the constructing room. The stench of sick and gnawing need for the removal of myself persisted. Remember the singe of industrial heat sat behind my legs as steel pulled an obstruction in my gathering lungs and at once I was loose among the scaffolding, scrambling against and upward through the holes of my throat. My receptacles are filled. 
The real thing here is that I am lost with nothing coming in. In this expulsion, the grating smells of soap seep into the absences of the bedding of which I will the pulse of my body to deny. At another time, the blankets filling my chairs allow my body into the widening space of their re-entrance. The incense was a gift. It burns out. KCCK is Iowa's only jazz radio station, locally owned and operated and always commercial free. KCCK offers a respite in stressful times. KCCK brings you the best jazz and blues 24-7, featuring national artists and local favorites brought to you by live and knowledgeable hosts. Listen on your radio at 88.3 or 106.9 in Iowa City. Stream at kcck.org or download the mobile app, which now supports Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Thanks for listening to Best Show Ever. Many of our productions, including this show, are made possible through the support of our Friends of the Englert program. Visit englert.org friends to learn more about the program and donate today.